You're listening to Cross Section, the podcast of the Summit View Church of Christ. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lifts his In case you're wondering what's been going on, uh, it was talked about earlier, and that is different people are trying different things. For example, today, last week, week before, we had song leaders leading communion. We always tried to stay away from giving them too much to do because they do so much for us in leading songs, but we thought, well, would they like to try that? And this is the part, though, that's really interesting. Uh, we decided that every fifth Sunday, that's about four times a year, somebody other than Kevin or Jim are going to speak. So I'm up first. I'm the experiment. Uh, people say, well, you stood in front of a classroom and you talked to high school kids, you're good. No. I knew more than they did. But I look at, (laughs) and I guarantee that. But I look out and I see Jim and I see Sherry and I see all these other people here who are much more versed in the Bible and I'm going, "Uh, what am I doing here? But I'm going to give this a try. For those of you that came to the 9 o'clock class, uh, each one of us tried out a sermon, if you will, during that class, and then we opened it to questions, just to see how it was received and what might happen. Uh, So those of you at 9 o'clock class, this is going to be familiar. For the others of you, uh, hopefully it is enlightening and uh, gives you a perspective on things. Uh, The title of mine is, I can see down here, The Blame Game. The Blame Game, uh, it's kind of an interesting concept. Those of us that are old enough, back in the 1960s, and I do apologize, uh, I wander. In my classroom, I just could not stay behind the podium, so hopefully you're okay. In the 1960s, there were several comments that were made in popular TV shows. Um, Sock it to me. President of the United States, Richard Nixon, who was considered a very staid and stable and just a, a typical politician, did that on live TV, and he said, sock it to me? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy. How many of you remember that one? I don't know what a bippy is, but you bet your sweet bippy. Uh, here come the judge, here come the judge. And the devil made me do it. Flip Wilson's TV show, the devil made me do it. And everybody got a laugh out of that. I mean, on TV, that was, it was a joke, it's, it's funny. Unfortunately, however, it's kind of a common refrain. When people are caught doing something they're not supposed to do, it wasn't my fault, the devil made me do it. It seems like it's always easier to blame somebody else when we do something we really shouldn't do, and we know we probably shouldn't do it. Rather than taking responsibility for our own actions, we want to blame somebody else. When raising kids, there are some of you that are doing this, those of us that have been there, done that, so to speak. How many times do you hear, it wasn't my fault, he made me do it. And I see a couple of the parents looking at their kids right now. Uh, Or, what about him? They did it too. I I got that a lot in my classroom. I'd catch somebody when they were talking and they weren't supposed to, and I'd say, would you please be quiet? Well, what about them? They're talking too. Blame somebody else. A while back, Kevin gave a sermon 
It was a great sermon, by the way. The rules for a holy living. It came out of Colossians, and it said, We are to put to death such earthly things as sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, malice, slander, etc. We're supposed to put all that behind us, put that to death. But how do you put it to death when it's not your fault? Somebody else did that. It was their fault. There's one article that I found that said there are 12 sins we like to blame. And this is in your bulletin if you would like to fill in the blanks. There are 12 sins that we like to blame on other people. So, so and I think, yes, it'll be right there behind us. Okay, number one, anger. I wouldn't lose my temper if coworkers were easier to get along with, or if my kids behaved better, or if people would just do the right things. Number two, impatience. You know, I'd be very patient if it weren't for traffic jams, long lines at the grocery store, if I didn't have so many things to do, and if people around me just weren't so slow. Nobody's ever thought that, I'm sure. Lust. I would have a pure mind if there weren't so many sensual images in our culture. Anxiety. I wouldn't worry about the future if my life was a little more secure. If I had more money, no health problems, Spiritual apathy. My spiritual life would be much stronger and I would struggle with sin less if my small group was more engaging. If Sunday school was more engaging. Or if the sermons were better. Not mentioning anybody in particular. Insubordination. If my parents slash bosses slash elders were godly leaders, I would joyfully follow them. Critical spirit. It's not my fault that people around me are ignorant and inexperienced. Bitterness. If you knew what that person did to me, you would understand my bitterness, why I'm angry. How could I forgive something like that? Gluttony. My wife, husband, and roommate, friend, whatever, is a wonderful cook. They make things impossible to resist. Amen. Gossip. It's people around me who start the conversations. There's no way to avoid hearing what others happen to say. And when others ask me, I, I can't avoid sharing with them what I know. Self-pity. I'll never be happy because my marriage, family, job, life, whatever it is, is so difficult. I'll never be happy. It's just so difficult. And finally, selfishness. 
I'd be more generous if we had more money. By the way, did you notice in there there was one word that kept popping up in quite a few of those? It's only got two letters in it. If. I would if. So where did all this start? I think we all know. Genesis 3, 11 and 12. Genesis 3, 11 and 12. Who told you were naked? This is God speaking. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me. Who's Adam blaming for this? He's blaming God. Hey, you gave me this woman. It's your fault. And then he asks the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me. Kind of like this. No, I didn't do it. The serpent deceived me. Oh, the woman. He blamed God. Kind of an interesting point. And this might be a sermon later on. God knows everything we're going to do and say before we do and say it, right? Did he know that Adam and Eve were going to say this? He asked them, did he know they were going to even blame him? Um, but was he giving them a chance? A choice? Again, that could be another interesting sermon. It's interesting. Adam and Eve had everything. Think about this. They're in the Garden of Eden. They got everything they need. They walk and talk with God. How many of us want to someday pray that we get a chance to walk and talk with God? And yet, why did they eat from that tree? They wanted to be like God. They were human. They wanted even more than that perfect life that they had. And then why did they blame somebody else? Blame God, blame the serpent. Did they recognize their own guilt? Life is choices. God gave them a choice, a chance. But life is choices. We decide what to do. No one makes us. We decide what to do. No one makes us. We may be tempted even by the devil, by our friends or whoever around us, but we decide. We choose to sin, and then we choose to blame others for the sin, which, by the way, is a form of judging. We judge them. And why do we do that? It's a quick escape from our own guilt. I don't feel so bad. It was their fault. But do we escape from that guilt? Romans 2, 1. Romans 2 and 1. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in casting judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We do something, we want to blame somebody else, we do this. Uh, you ever notice when sometimes I'm saying, oh, we can't let them do that, they might do, and there's something bad. Well, who came up with the idea they might do something bad? 
the person speaking, well, why did they think? Is it possible that maybe if they were in that position, they themselves would have done that? What else does the Bible say about blaming others? Galatians 6, 5. Galatians 6, 5. Now, there are a lot of different translations. The one I chose, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Some of them say, bear our own burden, carry our own load, but in the end it boils down to we are responsible. In James 1, 14, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own desires and enticed. It's our desires. We're dragged away by them, not somebody else. So how do we overcome this sin of blaming others? We do something wrong. We know we shouldn't do it. How do we overcome blaming others? First, we have to acknowledge it is us. It is us. It's not somebody else. It's us. Second, recognize the pride in ourselves when blaming others. The pride in ourselves. Last week, the sermon was about Haman. And what happened to him because of his pride? He died, and his ten kids died, his ten sons. It's our pride. We don't want to be responsible. We don't want to be blamed. We want to blame somebody else. Attack the problem, not the person. When I would catch one of those students in class talking when they weren't supposed to, oh, you just hate me. You don't like me. No, I like you. I don't like what you're doing. So attack the problem, not the person. And then solve our part of the problem. And we are part of the problem. It's, it's us. So solve our part of the problem. Remember, we can't control how other people act only how we react. That's all we can control. That car pulls out in front of you and you have to slam on your brakes. Control how you react. You don't need to speed up alongside of them and get into road rage and all that kind of stuff. Control how we react. And when pointing one finger at others, whether it be figuratively or literally, remember this, you guys were probably already brought up with this, you point that one finger out there, what's going on? There's three pointing back at you. So whenever you point at somebody else and say it's their fault, there's three pointing back at you. Then, turn the blame into prayer. Pray. Don't get mad at that guy that pulled out in front of you and almost caused a wreck. Pray to God and say, thank you. Turn the blame into prayer by confessing our sin. It was me. And asking God for forgiveness. He is willing. He's willing to forgive us. We hear it all the time. In the Bible and songs we sing, he's willing to forgive us. Because, like a lot of the songs that Kevin chose today, 
He loves us. And then, remember this, that humbling yourself and confessing is more beneficial to us. We benefit the most from being open and honest with ourselves and with God. We benefit from confessing our sins. Further in the Bible, James 1, 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save you, to save your soul. Colossians 3, 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. We have the promise of eternal life with our Heavenly Father. Just as God forgives us our sins and the many ways in which we have wronged others include through blaming them, God commands us to forgive one another People have a tendency to forget. We like to remember here in church, God died for our sins. We heard it during communion. Jesus died for our sins, I mean. But the phrase says, Jesus didn't die for just our sins, but for the sins of all, even those of others who we feel have wronged us. We sit here as Christians, we like to say, okay, Jesus died for our sins. We're going to share communion. We're going to worship. We're going to go to heaven. But that guy that did something wrong out there? No. Jesus died for their sins as well. It's not exclusive. Have they accepted that? That's a different question. Jesus died for everybody's sin. It is hard to accept blame for our own actions. When we're kids, how hard is that to admit? Did something wrong? True story. In my household, we had a razor strap. It's about that wide. It's about that long. And that was the educational tool. It didn't really hurt because it was so wide. One time my brother and I hid it because we knew we were going to get educated. Mom went looking for it. Couldn't find it. She starts going like this with her belt. This is 1960s. Ladies, you remember the belts about that wide that had rhinestones on them? Guess what? Oh, I think I remember where the razor strap is now, Mom. But there was another time in which my dad said, come here. He thought I'd done something wrong. I'm going to give you a spanking. No, I didn't do it. Get over here. No, get over here. If you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. His face went red and then went the other way because he figured evidently that if I said something like that, maybe I didn't do it. And he turned towards my brother who had been standing there with a grin on his face and he's heading out the door. He had done it. I got the blame. 
it's hard to accept blame for action, especially when you know you're going to get disciplined like that. But we get disciplined in other ways as Christians. And we don't like to always accept the blame when we do something wrong. But we first must be willing to recognize our sins, including blaming others. We must be willing to ask God for forgiveness. Sometimes that's tough. Don't make it this way where it's, okay, I'm going to do something wrong, I can ask for forgiveness, I'll be forgiven, then I can go out and do something again, and then I can go back and ask for forgiveness, then I can go out and do something. That's not how it works. Must be willing to ask for forgiveness of God with the idea that we want to change. But it's harder still to ask for forgiveness of those that we have wronged. With prayer, trying to follow God's word, and being willing to forgive, we have a chance. Uh, earlier, Isaac read from Ephesians. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with any form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Just as in Christ God forgave you. We have to confess our sins, even when it comes to blaming somebody else. And that's the tough part is going to them and saying, I'm sorry. No, asking God for forgiveness in prayer, but to stand face to face with somebody and say, I'm sorry. Like everything else in life, it's our choice to get rid of that bitterness and anger, to be kind and forgiving and to confess and ask for forgiveness. It's our choice. If you would like to make that choice, but aren't sure how to get started, and would like to talk with someone about this, there's Kevin, Jack, an elder, our deacons, and many others. Because you have to remember no one is perfect. There's an awful lot of people out here who have been there, done that. Got mad about something, blamed somebody else, asked for forgiveness. They would be willing to talk with you. But again, you just have to make that choice. If you'd like to talk with someone about it, we'll be singing our what we call our invitation song. I'll be here in the front. Kevin will be leading singing. Jack. Our deacons, Johnny, Rich, Ryan, maybe there's somebody else in here that you feel more comfortable sitting down and talking and saying, okay, I need to talk to somebody about that. I'm sure anyone in here would be willing to sit down with you because somebody sat down with them or they approached somebody and said, I need help. There's nothing wrong with saying that. But again, it's you have to make that choice. So with whomever you decide you'd like to speak with, Make the choice while we're standing and singing.